We just had Catherine Sinowitz. Catherine Sinowitz yeah. is amazing. Yes, she is. <laughs> She's amazing. And I got to know her through Facebook over the last couple of years, and I've wanted to have her on. It was really good. I feel like our listeners are going to be able to relate so much to her own journey. Uh, and that's really one of the things we want to do is we want to yeah. connect people. Yeah in their journey with God, I think she said this statement and it's going to just ring in my heart forever. I'm on this journey with you because I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Her husband said that to her, but I, man, I heard God's voice (laughs) when she said that. Yeah. I'm on this journey with you because I love you. And love is the long game. Yeah. She made that statement too. She's also a feminist. (laughs) No, she's not a feminist. She did talk about... Well, I mean, my daughter's going to say that she is. That's right. And she's going to want to uh, listen more to her yeah. as a result of that. Yeah. In all the great ways. In all the great ways <laughs> she is. Just listen and make up your own mind. Yeah. Very wise. Yeah. Tells us her story. Tells us the journey. And she so brilliantly articulates the love of God and deconstructing and reconstructing in so many different areas. Just an incredible joy to talk to. And I think this is really going to bless folks. It's going to delight people. Yes. Listen for that word. Look for delight that word. Delight. In this interview. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, make sure and give us a five-star rating. Yeah. It yeah. helps go people rate, find us. Go rate the podcast. Share it with your friends. I don't understand how it works, but I do know that when there's ratings, it bumps it up. It gives it internet juice. That's what it is. And it, it just the, gets out there and the it gets term. the goodness to all people. That's right. But uh, yeah, share this yeah. with your friends. Yeah. Uh, we really want to invite you into this conversation yeah, yeah. of Rethinking yeah. God. And we love to hear from you, too. It's really cool to hear your story. And if there's questions, thoughts, uh, reach out. Because um, every once in a while, Derek and I get together without a guest. And, uh, and sometimes that can inform uh, where we go. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, we cherish your thoughts. Yeah. Appreciate you guys coming on the ride with us. We're glad to have you. Yeah, so thankful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. The way that I came across you, the way that I met, met you was through Facebook, through kind of mutual friends. I don't know when we became friends on Facebook, but I do remember I would read something and I would get really excited. I'd be like, this is incredible. This is this is the gospel. This is the good news. And, and then often run and take this to my wife and read it to her. I know you and my wife are now friends. Now she does that for your stuff to me. And this is actually a common thing in our house. She's like, have you seen what Catherine wrote today? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Have you read the conversation taking place? And I'll be like, no, what was it? Oh my goodness. And, uh, and then she'll talk about it. But uh, uh, there's such a depth of life and I felt uh, a kinship with you. We're on a similar journey. Felt like um, there was a, a, an understanding of the love of God that was foundational. Mm-hmm. To, to your approach to everything. And so there was a gentleness and a kindness. And so you have a, a spiritual reconstruction community on Facebook where you ask some hard questions. You ask uh, yeah. some good questions and there's lots of beautiful conversation. I love how you host it with such grace and wisdom. You give room to everyone. Thank you. So we're honored to have you on the podcast and would love for you to tell us a little bit of your story. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. and. Yeah, I mean, me, I I, I live uh, in Lewis, Delaware, close to the beach with my husband, Mark, and our two kids, Landon and Noah, they're 12 and 10. We have a dog named Rolex that my son named after a song (laughs) that was popular when we got him. Um, What's the song? It's, it's. I think it's called Roly. I can't even tell you who sings it. It's a hip hop song. It's got to be a rap song, right? 
It is. It's a rap song. It is. Okay. And so, okay. you know, Landon likes to go around and, and introduce our dog and then, you know, say, well, he's a watchdog, you know, but I'm fine. Hashtag dad joke. Yeah. He's starting young. That's a dad yeah. joke for sure. He's starting young. <laughs> he is, certainly. Um, but I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I was born and raised there. Went to school in Boston. Um, I'm a physical therapist. I own my own physical therapy private practice in Lewis and my husband also owns his own business. So um, that's a little bit about me. Uh, I was raised Catholic, uh, but we were mostly agnostic. Um, I didn't go to church every Sunday. I didn't grow up doing that, but I was in public school. And so I had CCD after school, which was basically, you know, our Catholic education uh, for those that were in public school. And it was also a way for us to go through the sacraments so that if we wanted to get married in the Catholic church one day, we had all the other stuff kind of under our belt. Right. So, you know, went through all of that as a kid and that was my foundation for God. Um, and I'm grateful for it. You know, yes, I've had to undo a lot of it, but I'm grateful for it. It, it definitely provided a good foundation for me and knowing who Jesus was. And somewhere along the way, I ended up meeting friends of my husband's family who sat me down and really introduced me to Jesus. Right. And it, it felt like the first time, like, even though I'd grown up, you know, knowing the name Jesus, God was somewhere up there, yeah. you know, not, not anywhere over here with me, uh, but a very distant God. And, uh, and that's when I got saved. That was uh, in my early twenties, pretty radical saved. I mean, I could not stop talking about God. I mean, <laughs> to everyone who would listen, I remember working in a hospital at the time and there were there were wheelchairs lined up in the hallway waiting for, you know, their, their physical therapy session in the gym. And I was on my knees next to them, telling them about Jesus and how much God loved them. Wow. And, you know, praying for people to receive Christ. I mean, it was, it was that it seemingly overnight. Right. I just became alive to me. Um, and God was all of a sudden relational, uh, not just some distant entity that I was supposed to read about in a book. Yeah. So started going to church every week, started reading my Bible, um, even started a ladies Bible study and all of it was great. But fast forward to 2018 and that is when my deconstruction started. And there, there was just so many things that I was in as a Christian that it's ironic because there was like this paradox, like my relationship with God was so real and so freeing and so beautiful. But then there were all of these constructs that I wasn't even raised in that all of a sudden were put on me. And so I have this spiritual freedom with my relationship with God, but then I have all these constructs that just didn't sit right, but, Oh, well, I I guess I have to accept it. I trust these leaders who were telling me this is the way it is. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this is, this is the way it is. Yeah. So then the deconstruction came and it was just a, a huge upheaval. Um, and it started with uh, someone who, who was a friend of mine at the time saying to me, you know, that the Bible is not the word of God, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and you said, um, did you scream heresy at the person at that moment? I feel like there was a, there was, may have been a, a curse word thrown about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think a few months earlier, I probably would have. Right. 
but you know, it's, it's weird at that moment in time, there was something in me that allowed it to land. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was somebody you trusted. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. It was definitely someone I had grown to trust. And so, you know, I respected the person and, and so I gave it consideration. I sat down and I was like, okay, well, I have to think about that. What do you mean? It's not the word of God, you know? Right. Well, Jesus is the word. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Well, it's like, I knew that, but I didn't. Sure. It's so weird. Like the whole thing was just really weird, Yeah. but I knew that that was like the beginning of an avalanche. Mm. And, and certainly it was like the, the next two years, I probably did more growing and evolving than maybe most people do in 10 years. It was, it was really intense. Uh-huh. So it took me from like the flow of this was I started with the Bible and then that moved into, okay, what about heaven and hell? You know, like God's goodness, right? So it started with the Bible. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the Bible and what the Bible is and isn't. I'm, I'm deciding in my spirit that God is good. I know God is love. That has been my experience of God all along. Yeah. So what is not lining up with that premise? Yeah. And then I started to look at health, right? Obviously, that's kind of the next thing. Um, From there, when I deconstructed my view of heaven and hell, then it was salvation. Like, okay, well, now questioning that, well, what are we getting saved from, right? right? If it's, if it's not hell, then what is it? And, and then it was Jesus, like, what did he do on the cross? What was his life about the cross about resurrection about? Um, existentialism, right? Why are we even here? Like it, it, it just opens up <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> every can of worms that exists, right? For our Christian walk. And, um, and so the two years uh, I've learned a lot and it's been, it's been pretty intense to say the least. Wow. That's Good. quite a jumping off point. I know that when I, uh, when I present this to people, um, I try to do it lovingly because God has been so gracious to me in the way that he's brought me through a lot of this thinking. And as a pastor, I'm leading a, a church, a group of people into this process as well and realizing, wait a second, if it took me seven years worth of God being patient, uh, then I need to I need to find language yeah. to begin to introduce things in a way that's not, um, it may be shocking at first. Like I tell people straight up, I love the word of God. And I like my Bible too, mm-hmm. and kind of introduce it in a little more subtle way. Right. But um, when you, man, when you went straight for uh, for heaven and hell after that, it's like <laughs> you were on the bunny slope, and then you went to a black diamond. That's exactly it. You you just jumped on it. So, yeah. what what do you think in that that those couple of years that you mentioned? was maybe the most drastic thing that you started thinking differently about God. We both have a similar story of uh, embracing God's goodness. Yeah. At, at, we've always embraced God's goodness. We've embraced Jesus as perfect theology. Uh, but then you start asking really, really serious questions. Yeah. And it, it doesn't lead you to certainty. And I think that's what most people are looking for is certainty. Maybe, maybe uh, talk a little more about that process and some of those questions that you began to wrestle with? Yeah. So, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was trying to reconcile what I knew in my heart about the goodness of God and God being love with what I was seeing in scripture, mm-hmm. you know, because we're taught that everything has to line up with scripture. Otherwise it's wrong. Yeah. And you're in, the, you're in the danger zone. Yeah. And 
I mean, the way that I, I saw scripture was it was the whole counsel of God. It's inerrant. It's infallible. Right. God penned it. You know, God, it's, it's God ordained every word in it. Right. And it's, right. it's just encapsulated of like, <laughs> if you want to know who God is, this is it, you know, yeah. and nothing outside of this. But then I would, um, I would look at the Old Testament and see things that about God that literally would bring me to tears. Right. Um, that didn't seem to line up at all with his character that I knew. Yeah, horror, horror stories. Horror stories, like smashing infants. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just terrible things. Yeah. So I, I started to really heavily question the integrity of those stories. And, you know, was that really the character of God? You know, who, who even wrote this stuff? And how long was it, you know, passed down before it was written and by who? And um, and started to even look at, like, the humanity of, of Moses, you know, like, he was, like, charged with this budding nation and, and kind of calming down the anarchy and, and chaos of it all, you know, and so he said, like, God said this and God said that. Well, maybe God did say it, but maybe he didn't, you know? Right. So, so anyway, I... I had to reconcile this and I had to get beyond scripture in order to do that. Right. God is God as love. Um, I, I couldn't see him doing the things that I saw him doing in the old Testament. Right. Yeah. So what I had to do is say, okay, now if that, if that's my mother duck, like how am I going to align with that? Mm. Every, what has to fall into line for me to feel okay and secure mm. about God being love? Right. Um, and, and we and we know that we have explanations of of why God did that in the Old Testament, you know, about covenants and protecting Israel and right, right. But to me, love cannot bear that. I, it just it yeah. still it still yeah. is not enough. Like, does love even need covenants? I don't I don't know. Like, oh, I love this. I love that thought. <laughs> does love even need covenants right yeah, i mean yeah. we're not there yet as a human race like we we need the stuff that we have in place because That's we're right. just not there yet yeah um but god is yeah so mm. why have we put god in that box like it's just um i i just couldn't equate it yeah so that's probably the single biggest thing yeah is is really really in my spirit believing wholeheartedly that god's love is unfailing yeah yeah. And God is good to the nth degree that <laughs> there is nothing that can compromise that. Yeah. There are no conditions on it. I don't even have to believe yeah. that that's the case mm. for it to be the case. That's good, Catherine. Amen. Yeah. So that was, that was like the first thing. Um, yeah. I, go ahead. No, I, I, I mean, there's another thing too about God that, um, that kind of changed for me as well. And uh, we call God Father, right? I mean, we've we've always done that, and we 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 see Jesus do that. But one of the things I deconstructed for me personally, and and more recently, the things that I've been dealing with with the character of God is is looking at His being. And I feel like, you know, I, I don't believe that God is male. I don't believe that God is female. I, I don't believe God encompasses a gender. It's it's both, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and but why do we call God Father? Right. You know, and we, we do because Jesus did. Right. And Jesus was a, a male himself. Right. And yeah. uh -huh. he's supposed to be God. So I started thinking about that and, and like why we call why did Jesus call God father? And, you know, to me, it just didn't sit well as a woman. Like I just you know, there's a newfound feminism, too, that that came out of my deconstruction. But Love it. Um, I 
I see father as like source now, like creator. He is a seed holder for, you know, what everything in creation that came to be. Mm. Um, and not only that, but when Jesus was calling God father, I think it was a revelation to the culture at that time. And, and even for us reading it, like we could relate so much that God is not this separate being, this bloodthirsty, fickle entity. Yeah. He's relational. He's relational. He was presenting a relational God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. And the oneness of God and the fact that, you know, we're not separate from God. And that, like, even though, again, through my walk, I knew that. Um, in Christianity, I think it was deepened through my deconstruction about the character of God. And, um, and that was so valuable to me, truly. Wow. I'm going to now adopt the phrase that that's my mother duck, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that my non, my non-negotiable, the foundational right. yes. place upon which everything else, because for me, my journey was one where it came down to God is good and I won't leave that place and I'm not mm-hmm. going to play I'm not going to play games with good by letting some horrific uh, idea of the nature of God in the Old Testament somehow make me do mental gymnastics over a word as simple as good. God is good. He's his good is perfect. Love looks like Jesus. That's my mother duck. Yeah. I'm going to use that right word now. <laughs> I wanted to ask you eventually about because I love some of the things you're writing about uh, being a woman and how Jesus was a man and, and some of the, the revelation you're getting there and the thoughts you have on that. But you made a comment about covenants. I don't, we've ever talked about this. Mm-hmm. I've sat under some of the best covenant teachers on the planet and I've never understood covenants. I would come home from services with my wife and go, I understand the legal reasons why the world would need you and I to have a covenant. But when you understand love, yeah. when you're in a relationship with your wife or with your husband or even with your kids, I don't need a covenant. To, to, to bear me on to, up under my responsibility. That's not how love works. Love right. is a self-sacrificing thing that, that, um, that I guess I, I'll put a ring on it just to show the world, you know? <laughs> right. The thought process I eventually came to was that covenants were something we needed. Mm-hmm. And so God went, I'll speak their language. I'll step inside of their understanding. Yeah. I'll interact with them. And so because we needed covenants, God worked with us inside the context of covenants. He's a, of course, we can apply that to him. His covenants are, it's a perfect way to understand him in that law mindset. Mm-hmm. But when you understand love, I don't need a covenant just to show <laughs> the world, you know? Uh, so anyway, I just was fascinated by your thoughts on covenants. Mm-hmm. I've said this to Derek. I think one of the greatest hurdles that the church has today to discover intimacy is actually the way the, the word has been used uh, and interpreted. It is. The fact that it's become a, a God, a part of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. But I, you didn't seem like, you just seemed to be able to go, are you an eight on the Enneagram? <laughs> no, actually I'm a three. Okay. I'm the achiever. I only I only ask because my wife's an eight and, and it wouldn't bother her. She's like, yeah, we're fine. <laughs> my, wife, my wife's a three. Your wife's three? My wife's a three. Okay. Tell me so, about that. Achiever. Yeah. Well, well, you're assuming it didn't bother me. It did bother me. Did it? it oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So, so when I deconstructed and especially, you know, when you call the, the Bible and uh, a God, I mean, it absolutely is an idol for sure. Yeah. And it was an, yeah. an idol in my heart. Yeah. But even more than that is the idol of certainty, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible, if we, if we can encapsulate God in this 66 book, compilation and call that the whole council of God. 
I mean, that offers us some pretty good certainty, right? Even though, you know, there's differences in how we interpret it and there's different theologies about it and lots of different denominations that we make through it. You know, we have this, this 66 book compilation of God and that, and we don't depart from it. So that idol is really certainty. I mean, that's what it is. And, you know, that is, that is not an easy idol to let go. And I, I kicked and screamed. I mean, it was, it was bad. I, I can tell you at one point during my journey, I legit laid down on my living room floor, my hardwood floor. And I just laid there for a while just to feel physically like something stable underneath me Wow! because just to offset all of the, the uncertainty and the disorientation I was feeling emotionally and spiritually and mentally with what I was going through. So, I mean, I did not transition easily. I, I, I definitely was a bull when it came to, you know, confrontation, I'm, I'm going to confront all of this stuff and I'm not going to leave any rock unturned. <laughs> I'm going to do it right. because I'm here. Right. And it, it, deconstruction is kind of like a one-way ticket. You know, you get on that right. train, you don't really get <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really stop. I mean, it could slow down a little bit, but um, I, I had boarded the train. It was too late. You know, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. So it was very, very difficult for me to depart from that because I love my certainty. Yeah. I loved it. It felt so comforting and secure. But here's the thing, when we depart from that and we we truly allow ourselves to get out of that box and look around and see, all right, I think it's okay. I'm not sure, but I'm going to keep walking. If we if we go all the way through, we discover that the mystery of God is so much better in the sense of that relational um ever knowing like you yeah. That's the joy and bliss of relation. It's why we're here. If we yeah. talk about why we exist, right? right? It's love in the in the terms of relationship. So mm-hmm. I I am so glad that I could spend an eternity getting to know God, that yeah. He's not encapsulated in this book, you know. Um <laughs> that I could I could spend an eternity of God getting to know me through me as me. Um and me getting to know myself and me getting to know you guys and everybody else, yeah. you know, that is relational bliss. So, you know, if we can get far enough along through the discomfort of getting rid of those idols, then we actually get to a place that's, you know, just amazing with God. Um, and, and there is comfort there too. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't mm-hmm. see it in the beginning, but there's a lot of comfort there too, to be gained. So, yeah. No, I, I love the way you framed it as a question and said, does love even need covenants? Uh, I think that's a, a great launching point. Um, one thing I have found in you know my own journey is uh, having grown up in a, a word of faith context and the emphasis being on the word of God so intensely. And, and I think it was good. I'm, I'm thankful for my my knowledge of the Bible. I'm thankful that, you know, I had that background to be able to know immediately, wait a second, no, it says this, or it says this, or it says this, and then start to question things. But when I um, started putting my mother duck in front that God is love, period. And there's, there's no, there's no, but there's no, well, but he's also just, but he's also holy. Okay, then show me a holiness that's void of love, and I'll show you a Pharisee. And I think that's when I started really getting um, in a relational mode uh, 
with the spirit of God, the spirit of love, with Jesus Christ in me, the hope of glory, with all these things that I read about and I had up here, but I never had that intimacy of a loving connection. And I did the same thing Jason did. I, I will never, well, I'm going to confess it to my church right now. <laughs> I stopped reading my Bible other than the gospel of John for two years. Yeah. I wow. literally only read the gospel of John for two years and, uh, and still preached every Sunday. So um, <laughs> must've been really awesome. <laughs> um, but when I began to realize, wait a second, no, God never said that. And it's okay to say that God never said that and how, it's important that we know what we're capable of assigning to God that he has nothing to do with. And so those, those bits in the Bible are actually explaining and revealing who we are mm-hmm. yeah. and what we're capable of. And that's where if you can get beyond the Bible is a revelation of God and realize, no, it's also a revelation of humanity. It's a revelation of ourselves. It's a revelation of this thing we call wrath. Um, Jesus is the perfect revelation of God. Mm-hmm. So in a human being, I get to see this father, this loving, uh, you know, Jesus said it to the Pharisees. He said, you're pouring over scriptures, trying to find eternal life. And they all point to me. Right Everything here. points to me. Yeah. yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> I'm right yeah. here. And that's exactly where I was at. I'm like, yeah. Jesus is actually talking to me right now. He's yeah. not talking to Pharisees. Mm-hmm. So um, I I really love the uh, the softness that you're carrying in bringing this about. I'm sure you've probably been more confrontive with people and in certain situations. And that's one thing we want to kind of talk about is where did those respected voices begin to like fall away that you were maybe putting a little too much weight in because of the position they held within the church or within your own life and authority and those kind of things. Yeah. I mean, that part was really hard too, because it was, it came down to a matter of trust, Mm. right? I, I had all of this trust, not only in the leaders that had led me up until that point in guiding my image of who God was and what the Bible said God was, and even who I was Mm. to a lot of respect. So I had to, had to question that. And then I had to question trusting myself, Mm. Because here I was all of these years believing that and not really doubting much, you know, just kind of going along in in that circle and not really exploring much beyond it. I didn't ask those hard questions. I was never confronted with those questions. I mean, I had no idea. I had, I had never even heard of the word exegesis and hermeneutic. Like right. that that wasn't even in my vocabulary, not right. even on my radar. I, I thought right. the book of Job was written by Job. Okay. Right. Like right. <laughs> that is where I was. So, you know, so it, it came down to trust um, and, and really trusting them, trusting myself, trusting God, even like, yeah. why didn't God tell me? Yeah. You know, um, I had to face some pretty difficult things, but I think really just it helped me to embrace um, the humanity of it all, that as much as we strive to have it all figured out and we we can't, we really can't. Um, And that's not even the point. Um, And, and leaders are not exempt from that. They are people and they're trying to figure it out too. Mm -hmm. And they're making mistakes just like the rest of us. So you know, was I angry? Yeah. I, I spent some time feeling anger about it. 
Um, but I have to be angry then at myself too, sure. because I didn't question it. Right. Mm. So I think it helped me move into a place of just a lot more grace, mm-hmm. uh, just for, for us as a human race in general. Um, and, and, and that's the beauty of the Bible too. Like when I look at the Bible, like you said, like there's some just timeless things that we could relate to, you know, that the struggle of, of understanding ourselves, understanding each other, understanding God and, and how that's a progressive thing. And it, and it evolves over time. And as we grow and mature, um, the struggles we have with performance and having it all right. And, and the, the mask that we put on to feel like we're enough, hmm. right. It's, it's, it's all there. And it's, yeah. it's a pattern that we could relate to even now. I mean, those things are timeless things that we, as humans seem to eternally struggle with, right? Um, especially as a three. Yeah, especially as a three. Like, oh, for sure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I am I am so performance mindset and achievement mindset. So, um, but even that, like just embracing that about myself before I was like, oh, that's a sin. You know, it's bad. It's bad to right. be always looking right. at achieving and self-actualization, right. you know, but that's something else that I had to put away with my deconstructions. Like that is, you know, Self-deprecation is not humility. It's mm-hmm. just not like that's that's not. As a parent, when I see my kids um, self-actualizing their full potential in Christ, like I'm proud of them. It's like go, you you are here for the yeah. betterment of yourself and humanity. Do it. Um, so that's you know that's something as an achiever, like I I initially shunned, but then embraced yeah. about myself, yeah. um, knowing that th- this is exactly who God made me to be. And, and I'm going to do great things in the world because of it. Yeah. Um, and I shouldn't be ashamed of that or, or kind of dumb myself down or make myself small. That is not what we're here to do. It's the complete opposite of that. Yeah. So, yeah. If you type in the Google, if God is good, do you know what comes up? If God is good, here's the three main things that come up. Why is there suffering? Why do bad things happen? Why is there evil? What's that tell you? That most Google users, which is pretty much all of us, have a flawed understanding of God. Hey guys, I wrote a book on the sovereignty of God. God is not in control. The whole story is better than you think. Available at afamilystory.org or anywhere books are sold. I was reading your you posted just recently uh, um, the the journey on, on mm-hmm. Facebook, and I'd read it a couple of days ago, and then I read it again this morning before you came on, and and uh, the picture of you on the floor looking for stability, yeah, like I, like there's so many folks and a lot of folks listening to the podcast that uh, I've had a chance to interact with who, you know, I, someone just this week. Uh, posted something that said, all of this is scaring me, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I'm listening to the next one. <laughs> you know, but I'm, like you said, I'm on the train now. It's too I'm late. I'm, and um, you already swallowed the red pill. You, you already took the pill. Way too right. late. You already know. Um, for my journey, uh, and you talked about it, the fear. Mm. And I don't know for you if, if fear was the big thing. For me, insecurity was in every aspect of my relationship with God from the first 30 plus years of my life. I'm 46 now. And, and insecurity was a part of our love language. Like when I would sing <laughs> and I'm desperate for you, it was like I had God times in that desperation. And so for me, the deconstruction started with uh, 
son, I, I have never wanted desperate kids. And of course, um, God always to me speaks to me like a father or like a mother in the way that a parent would, can you imagine being a parent and, and somehow needing your kids to sing, I'm desperate for you? I mean, talk yeah. about an ego, talk about, we got some problems, you know, right. I want my kids to walk around the house and just, just a little more, just sing a little bit more of that. Des <laughs> so des me. Yeah. Give me your desperation. I thrive mm -hmm. on your, your insecurity. Um, and, and so when, when that shifted for me, that was the, the, the huge piece where suddenly I could find insecurity in all of my relationships. I remember calling my wife one day, just weeping on the phone, asking her to forgive me because I realized I had found insecurity. It had been woven and baked into our relationship. Mm -hmm. And I had used it to manipulate her over the years. And, and then she'd had to sometimes be careful of Jason's insecurities. And, wow. And, and I, I was reading through your story of fear and I'm, and I, I love first that, that you shared it was a hard journey because I think a lot of people are afraid. Mm -hmm. But I would love for you to speak about the fear because I would bet right now that you're the, you experience fear way less or way more healthily mm -hmm. uh, than you ever have in your life. Yeah. So I would love to you talk talk about that fear that um, was piled onto you, even from those people that were heaping warnings on you. Mm -hmm. You know, careful, careful. It's I, I don't know how many times I've heard Jason careful. That's a slippery slope. Yeah. Careful, you know, that sin conscious and that would feed my insecurity. And, uh, and yet I knew I was onto something like, like you said, I got on the train and yeah. I was like, I'm not letting go of this thing. Could you speak to that? Yeah, gosh. Um, it's so interesting because when you're in it, it could be in your face screaming at you and you not see it. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't, even though I was living in it, it wasn't in my consciousness that I was embracing so much fear. Yeah. And the irony was, let's, let's just say as a woman, right? I was not brought up in a patriarchal family. Um, my mom and my dad um, always supported me in whatever I wanted to do. I never felt any limitations growing up um, in that respect. But then I enter into Christianity and all of a sudden it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not supposed to be doing that as a woman. And I, I need to kind of like back down and I really shouldn't be speaking that much. And I have to defer to my husband on this, you know, I and 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 then it was like all the fears that got piled on, even with the gospel and there's shame in it, too. It's like, yeah, yeah. so so God can't look at me and see Catherine. God is the only way that God can look at me is if he sees Christ is if he sees Jesus, right? You know, because I am such, you know, crud that God can't even look at me unless he sees Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Like there's so much shame in that. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and, and it was just riddled with it. it was, and, but I didn't see it. I didn't mm -hmm. see it. So, you know, there was fear of, you know, God coming back and, you know, Jesus coming back any day. Am I ready? You know, am I ready to right. be raptured? You know, am I ready? Right. Uh, is he going to be proud of me? Is it, did I do enough? Did I do enough right. for, for me to, to, to go and, and be worthy of that? Um, yeah. Fear with people, you know, my loved ones going to hell, my good friends who hadn't said the prayer yet right. and converted going yeah. to hell, you know, so I would love people. But there was always an agenda attached yeah, because I yeah. was always trying to find an angle because oh, you can't go to hell. I'm so scared that you're going to go to hell. I'm so scared right. that you're going to live in a way that is not pleasing to God. And that's going to be detrimental to you and generations after you. Like, And then Satan, don't get me started on that, right? Like just the whole demonic and, you know, so, suppose, supposedly, 
you know, he doesn't have any power, but yet I'm still supposed to be afraid of him. I have right. to be aware, you right. know, because like he could attack any second and, you know, and God himself, you know, if God was able to do that to people in the old Testament, well, what's to say he can't do it now. If God's in control, then everything that happens to me and my family, God ordained somehow. Right. Yeah. So there was a lot of fear that I was living in that I didn't even realize I had allowed into my life. Like I didn't have that before. I, I right. kind of walked into it with, <laughs> with Christianity wow. and embraced it. I mean, I, I embraced it. I was in hook, line and sinker. Yeah. I mean, everything about it. Um, but having gone through deconstruction has really, you know, now I could hear it. I could see it in my face. It's very, you know, glaringly obvious to me when those things come up and I could just ask God about it and be like, what is the truth? Like, what is the truth here? Because this doesn't make sense to me. Shame is never attached to love. Love is not attached to conditions. Justice is restorative, not retributive. Like I, Hmm. I, I knew this in my spirit and I would just go to God with it and allow God to inform me of what the truth is so that those fears and, and, and the, the connection you feel, which I always had that love that was in me and, and moving through me and speaking to me about these lies that I had believed and these fears that were, you know, overcoming me just basically eradicated it. You know, the lies were replaced with truth and like, okay, you're way bigger than the constructs that I had been, you know, taught about you. And I could have confidence that, you know, you're good, you're loving, we're good, everyone's good, <laughs> we're okay, like yeah. everything's going to be all right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and so that fear just kind of, you know, went away the more that I started to trust God um, and, and God's goodness and really unfailing love and that justice yeah. is not about um, punishing people. Yeah, uh, we have, as human beings, we have no concept of the amount of time that goes into the long suffering, the patience, the, the long game of love, right? That yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, seek mm-hmm. to punish. I mean, we want that because yeah. we're immediate gratification, vengeance. We yeah. think that's what we want. We think that's what we yeah. want. And that gives us, you know, kind of, um, a good feeling, you know, when it happens, like, okay, we've been, we've been justified, you know, but really that isn't what we want. Everybody knows that when we see someone restored and redeemed, when we see someone changed and transformed by the love of God and the love that they could have for themselves and others, that is true justice. It it makes people cry when we hear about that, you know, forgiveness when the person didn't deserve to be forgiven, right? Quote, deserve to be forgiven. Like that is God. And we can't even perceive of that. Like that long suffering that it takes for God to restore humanity, that is true justice worthy of the name God. You know, we, we just don't have a concept of that in, in our humanity. We we only have a glimpse of it. Right. Yes. Um, so, so all of those things just helped cast out fear. When I really got that revelation of who God truly was, it, it shed a, a light on who I truly was too. And not only me, but everybody else and the people that I used right. to exclude, you know, and say, yeah. well, you're not in the kingdom because yeah. you know, of this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. Nope. nope. No, God said, no, yeah. <laughs> that's not oh, the truth. Goodness. 
So, yeah, that is, it, it's been such a, a journey of freedom and liberation from all of that um, that I was under to just, it's like a weight being lifted. And now I'm free of love without conditions, um, without having to find angles or, or agenda. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. God doesn't love that way. Yeah, that's right. That's so, not, he doesn't, that's not what he's like. Right, exactly. But yeah. And th I mean, that <clears throat> that's what I've really found in my own life has the most transformative power uh, that you can study the Bible all day long, go to seminary, learn the ins and outs and still remain unchanged. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when you mentioned that like people that would warn you, uh, it would bring like fear to oh, you. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I, w I was, I was exactly the opposite. When people warned me, it, it ignited something rebellious in me. It was like, I'm going to find out about that. <laughs> and even God, even, he even used that characteristic that I, I just embraced all the time. Yeah. Like, you're not going to tell me, no, you know, I'm going <laughs> right. to, I'm going to go and explore that whether you like it or not. But mm -hmm. even in that process, love began to melt all the fear away. Yeah. And then I began to see people differently. And I think that, uh, you know, if you want to know if somebody is truly transforming, ask their husband or their wife or their kids. Yeah. To me, yeah. that's that's the proof. Or let's let's go a few generations and let's talk about your grandkids and how did they see you? Um, that long game of love, yeah, it absolutely yeah. transforms people, yeah. and yeah. and you have a sense of belonging mm -hmm. like you've never had before. Yeah, uh, not just with the people in your, you know, your church and your congregation, yeah. but with humanity. And it's like, yeah. okay, if God chose to value human beings by becoming one of them to rescue all of them, mm -hmm. then there's something valuable intrinsically in every single person that I'm going to begin to love. And that, that really changed it for me. So it's, it's funny how even fear and rebellion and things that we would look at as trying to get out of our lives, mm -hmm. God can even ride in <laughs> along with that and yeah. bring transformation through that, yeah. that process. Absolutely. Um, I, I, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, the reason I wrote the, the book, God is not in control uh, is because people that I, that were good friends that I loved deeply were willing to divorce themselves from me simply because I had the idea. I love what you said about the long game. I always have a phrase in my house, um, family is the long game, mm. which is the same thing. Love mm -hmm. that. For me, uh, the language was that, that um, God said he was measureless. That I'd been living for some, some form of measurement and his love is measureless. And that I've been invited to live from the measureless. That was the, the table that mm. flipped for me that, that all of a sudden took all the pressure off of me. Yeah. I didn't have to get you to say a prayer. I just could love you. I didn't have to make you think a certain way. I didn't, we didn't have to find agreement. I could just love you yeah. and, and know that love will win in the end. It mm -hmm. just can't lose. Love that. It, it, mm -hmm. And you were reading something when we walked in before we started that we are persuaded that, that the goal of God is that we are persuaded in love. Can I ask you, you can speak to any of this. So anytime you're like, Hey, let me, I got something I'm not going to say, but I also <laughs> want to ask you about your family. Cause you went on this journey and you weren't alone. You have a husband mm -hmm. and some kiddos yes. and I'd be curious. And a dog named Rolex. And a dog named Case Rolex. Our, uh, listeners have missed that. <laughs> Which uh, he's a watchdog. <laughs> last I heard. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm going to find that song. I'm literally going to go find that song. But I'd love to hear a little bit of that story too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I am so fortunate. I think a lot of people are so scared about rejection. Um, and rightfully so, mm -hmm. because like you experienced even in, in what you encountered, like it's, it's real. And yeah. some people have gone through just tremendously painful experiences relationally through their deconstruction journey. Um, me personally, I, my husband is, I mean, he, he's always been super supportive of anything I was thinking through and going after in life. And, you know, he calls life with me a grand adventure because I'm, I'm always into something. But <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I started this, you know, I would sit down with him and talk to him about my thoughts and he would just listen. He's not, um, he's not a hyper spiritual guy. He's a, he would call himself a Christian. Um, but he's super practical and he doesn't spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff. So, you know, I would, I would, you know, talk to my, a lot of my friends about it, uh, versus my husband, but I still, you know, he wanted to be involved in my journey because he loves me and he wanted to be able to, you know, understand me more. So, you know, in that vein, he would let me sit down with him and just unload like, hmm. and cry and laugh and all of the emotions that I was going through because it was a roller coaster. Yeah. And he went through it with me, even though he, he didn't, you know, he wasn't really deconstructing much himself necessarily. Um, but he was super supportive. And, and even my mom, you know, most of my family are Christians. My dad is an atheist. Uh, my stepmom's Jewish. Uh, but most of my immediate family are Christians. So, you know, I think they were concerned about me and they would they would voice certain concerns but it was never in a in a, a super confrontative way or threatening way it was i i saw right through to the heart that they had toward me um and even in the reactions you got jason like you know it's it's seated in fear yeah. they're just scared yeah, they're right. just scared yeah. and, it's, and it's out of it's out of caring for you and also out of caring that they're for God, you know, like, sure. am I doing the right thing by God? Cause that's and for the people, right. In general, right. Like that's paramount to them and paramount to us too. Yeah. So, um, for me, it was okay. Everybody was supportive. They questioned, they prodded a little bit. I, I got a chance to explain myself and what I was thinking through and, and rethinking. Um, and it was okay. And with my kids, you know, uh, that was more complicated. Um, you know, they were in private school and, um, you know, I, I heard my children kind of repeating back to me the things that I had taught them in my fundamentalist Christianity. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't make a big deal out of it. I didn't create a big upheaval for them because that was the last thing I wanted to do, but I saw opportunities where in those moments, I could have, you know, I would sit down and just look at them eye to eye and say, yes, I know that that is what I mm. said about God, but this is what I'm saying now. Mm, that's good. And, you know, can you see that? Can you understand that? And we would have conversations, you know, sometimes at length, yeah. you know, the hell conversation was a long one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we've had that one. <laughs> yeah, it was a long conversation, right? Um, in, the inclusiveness of God and, and all of those things. Yeah. So I just take those opportunities as just sacred ground with my children to, you know, reestablish some some good 
foundational truth in them. And, um, you know, they're no longer in Christian school, they're in public school. Um, and, you know, that was, that was a choice, you know, among other things, not just through the deconstruction, but just the choice we made as a family. Um, so it's on me, you know, it's on me to really help my children understand um, the true character of God, um, who they are, you know, how they should view the world yeah. and then give them freedom. Sure. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to force them to believe yeah. anything like yeah. they're on their own journey. Yeah. Uh, and that's another thing. That's another fear. Like when I was, when I, mm. uh, before I transitioned, it was like, I had this job of like, you have to fit in this box. Otherwise I'm going to be so scared for you out in the world. Right. And now yeah. it's like, God is with you. God is in you. Mm -hmm. You know, you're wonderful. You're just so unique and you're so sacred and fantastic. Like you're going to go off and do wonderful things and you're going to find your own way. And I don't have to put you in this box. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what I believe, but it's what I believe, you know, and you are going to have the freedom to find that yourself. You know, I'm not going to keep you under this roof. Of, of just what I'm saying is true. I trust God in you to bring you that revelation. And, and that is just, that alone was so freeing to me as, as yeah. well as a parent. Yeah. So we've had some really beautiful moments. We really yeah. have. It's been great. I do believe that the role of a parent does give us a greater glimpse of the love of the father just by virtue of the position that it places us mm -hmm. in to absolutely love and care for this, this child. I have a 23 year old daughter and a 14 year old daughter. And, um, you know, I've had to go back and say, Hey, dad was wrong. <laughs> I would, I thought about this wrong and here's why. And the mm -hmm. cool thing is, is that it's kind of like your husband said to you, um, I want to go on this journey with you because I love you. Mm -hmm. And we can say that to our children as well. Hey, I, I want to go on this journey with you because I love you. But I also know that that same love that is in me, mm -hmm. the father heart of God is in you and you can be confident. Um, I think shame to me is the biggest enemy. When I see shame popping up in my girls uh, through usually religion, uh, the teaching of religion that brings shame. I mean, I want to cut that off quick. I want that to stop immediately. I get, I mean, almost like a violent feeling that, no, I have to protect and keep that shame from happening. And uh, it makes you think now how much God cares for you in that capacity and how he is, he's with you on the journey because he loves you. Yeah. And we can honestly say that to every human being on the planet. <laughs> he is exactly. with you on the journey yeah. because he loves you. Mm -hmm. And now let's explore that. How does it fit in the context of the things that you're learning and growing in? And so um, I love that statement that your husband made. I feel like he's way more spiritual than he thinks he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's the one that yeah. like brought that all together. <laughs> and um, how yeah. simple is he's that? How mm -hmm. amazing is that truth? I'm on this journey with you because I love you. Yeah. yeah. And that's really, that's it. And that's what I needed. Right. That's all I needed, truly. Yeah, that's really good. The thing that is, um, for me, the most important and as parenting for my wife and I has always been above everything is that we're connected to our kids, that they know that we love them, that we have those moments of encounter, connection above everything. Um, it's a... Uh, 
they've had a connection with us and then also that they've experienced a connection with the love of God. I mean, if they've experienced yeah. a connection with the love of God, then, you know, we're in good shape. <laughs> That's the mother duck. <laughs> That's the mother duck. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you had something you want. Well, I just, this, uh, cause when you, when you start bringing it into a place of how you start seeing other people, we can talk about our family all day long, uh, because we love them and they're with us. And what about those people that are, are against us or our enemies? You know, one thing I've been just injecting into our church, uh, probably for a couple of years now is, Hey, um, love your enemies is still a thing. Uh, the irony, you know, hashtag Jesus. <laughs> he said that. Yeah. And so what are, where, if we're going to, if we're going to get this together and, They'll know we are followers of Jesus by our love one for another. That's great. But then how are we going to demonstrate and articulate this to others? And I've been reading a little bit of George MacDonald, and he said in uh, his book, and it, it was when Jesus was talking to his disciples after they'd been arguing about who's the greatest and basically says, the one that's childlike, the one that serves. And George MacDonald said this, um, but who should look up honoring humanity and ministering to it so that humanity itself might at length be persuaded of its own honor as a temple of the living God. Wow. And to, to me, that's that, like, that is that journey of persuading people of their God container <laughs> that they don't even know about. Yeah. So I, I found language more to talk about it in terms of, Maybe not even necessarily being saved, but waking up. Yeah. Waking up to a reality Truly. that is already done, already finished. Yeah. Of course, yeah. grace tells us it's a finished work. Yeah. Uh, and and then, you know, asking the simple questions like, okay, so why do you think what happened in Adam is universal to all mankind, but what happened in Christ is somehow limited. Right. That doesn't make any sense. You know, that's, that's that rebellious nature in me rises up and says, no, Jesus is going to win. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to find a way to prove it. Mm -hmm. uh, but really, the only way I've found to prove it is to walk in love with people. That's right. And to really let love be that thing that draws, that guides, that will not disconnect, will not divorce yeah. a relationship. Yeah just because of a disagreement, but we were taught that in the Bible, we were taught that how could you walk together except they be agreed, right? You know, so agreement and, yeah. you know, well, no, love, I, love is so I can better. not agree with you and I can still love you. Absolutely. We have to delight them into it, right? Like it's, it's delight. It's, yeah, wooing. Right. it's you know, that's yeah. what love does. It's, it's not argumentative. And, and I'll be the first one to say, I struggle with this. Mm -hmm. I do like, especially on Facebook, <laughs> you know, I've had, I've put up there things about women, you know, being able to wear makeup and not have to answer to their husbands for everything they want to do. And <laughs> I've gotten like over 500 comments and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to have these conversations and some of it, you know, talk about enemies the last thing yeah. I ever expected was to feel like my enemies resided in the church. Yeah. I never mm. expected that. I've never been called names in my entire life, yeah. in my entire life until the past two years. Yeah. And, um, and the people that were calling me names, your brothers and sisters, you know, like Satan and a cult leader mm -hmm. and Jezebel were my brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, and, mm -hmm. That was really difficult yeah, at first. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and it is ironic because 
yeah, it does say love your enemies. Like you're perceiving me as an enemy at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like they're looking at me like I'm, I'm purely satanic if I'm putting this stuff out there. And so they have to, they have to fight me, yeah. you know? Um, and, and so there's a lot of irony there, but you know, there are a lot of paradoxes in the Bible that <laughs> are there that people, you know, if you want to cherry pick, because we all cherry pick. Okay. They're just cherry picking from the other side of the tree. I mean, that's, that's all that is, <laughs> you know, right. and I'm over here on this side of the tree. But I definitely struggle with that. You know, I, I have to choose in those moments how I'm going to respond. Mm-hmm. And, you know, am I going to respond with delight, like delighting them, you know, and, and I use the word delight because it, it to me, it, it kind of encompasses love. Like if, when you respond with, um, in a way that delights someone, like in a way that brings them in. Yeah you know, as opposed to repelling them away, yeah. uh, that it's inviting, it's warm, it's, it's, you know, extending a hand in understanding, even if you're not agreeing. Like, I believe that that's what love does, but I fall short of that all the time. Like, there are some times I get mad and I'm like, oh, no, you didn't just say that, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's when we go to the Psalms and we find that place where David said, Lord, kill him and let me watch. <laughs> we'll just cherry pick um, that scripture for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to claim that one right now. So, but I love what you said. I really feel like it goes back to something um, when, when you can spark joy, like when someone can see that they're, you're joyful to be in their presence. yeah that is that delight. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, babies, this happens at such an early age where babies learn to like, Hey, this is a joyful expression. This person's yeah. delighted to be in my presence. And I yeah. think that's part of what Jesus <laughs> talked about in our relationship to others is, and I love the word, the word delight is definitely it. Where mm-hmm. am I able to spark joy in this face-to-face relationship? Because if I am, then love has something to ride on. There's like an entrance into that person that no amount of arguing, nobody wants to come to Jesus because they got beat in a debate. It's like, oh crap, Um, you beat me. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll come to Jesus now. Um, No, they want to be joyfully wooed into that relationship. And so this is where we're trying to find language around that too. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit is really good at it for each individual person. Yeah, I um, uh, whenever I have pushback, it never happens, but once in a while, when I get pushed <laughs> back on Facebook, um, I, uh, you know, the prayer is always, well, it's kindness that leads to repentance. That's right. It, it, and, uh, and, and, but the way that I've, I've always, that I get there is, Father, show me how you see that person. Mm-hmm. Just I take a moment, show me. Mm. And, and it, it never fails that, that there's an empathetic uh, aspect of the nature of God that begins to not build a case but remind myself that whatever's happening is happening, as you said, out of fear, mm-hmm. out of out of a place of uh, delusion or brokenness. Yeah. Uh, not even necessarily that we're uh, that we're having a disagreement. Not even what they're saying, but the mm-hmm. spirit in which it's coming. Right. Um, and and then from that place, suddenly I have this grace. I don't know why, but we all I've seen you operate this way as well. There's a grace to be able to to interact in such a way, as you said, to, to, to be able to see God in them. And that is what you're doing then is you're delighting in them. Mm-hmm. You're what, what you said, you're, yeah. you're celebrating uh, that part of them that has Christ just thriving inside of them. And then, and then I believe you, you get to awaken them to that, yeah. that reality. It's that kindness that changes their mind. And, 
Absolutely. And, um, That's good. But I, I, I want you to say something. This is, I've been trying, I want to get here because I think you carry a lot here. And if you got a few more minutes, mm -hmm. my wife, uh, when we were getting married, we were doing our vows and you were just, we were kind of pulling from like, she pulled obey out. And, <laughs> and I remember thinking, yeah, why is obey in there? Because it was only on her part. Like, yeah. the guy doesn't say obey. The I, I don't have it in my ceremony. Uh, that yeah, I do. yeah. And I, but does this, love this, need a covenant? Right. Jason? Exactly. But that was twenty five years ago when she did that. I was like, yeah. She was like, isn't it weird that I have to say obey? And I'm like, it kind of is weird. <laughs> you that it's not. That is a strength. Um, can you settle something for me? Does a husband get say in how much makeup his wife wears? <laughs> That's what Sad said. We have set up the question. Uh, it's a ridiculous thought. It's one of the places in Please the. Please tell me that was rhetorical. <laughs> yeah, rhetorical. It's such a broken place, that, and and you have have pushed against this um, broken um, male driven um, religious expression of God. Uh, I've watched you do it so graciously and so wisely over the last several months. Could you just speak about that part of this journey and what God's showing you? I love how you talk about uh, Jesus as a man and how you've had to figure out how to even find yourself in him mm. because he's, he's a male expression in many ways yeah. of what God is like. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, with the feminism, like I, I was, you know, reluctant. And, and if you followed my post long enough, you'll, you'll probably even see a couple of times where I said, I am not a feminist, but right. Um, and because there is a certain view and connotation with feminism that is viewed very poorly yeah. um, by people, especially people in the church. Yeah. And so, and I didn't, and I didn't really find that I identified fully with, with um, those type of feminists. Like I wasn't, you know, and not to say that this is what they're trying to do, but I think there's a general consensus or fear or worry that women are trying to usurp men and gain control of the world and, and gain control over men. And, you know, really, you know, at least for me and a majority of women I speak to, it's not about that at all. It's about finding this common ground and equality and walking arm in arm, yeah. you know, not, you know, exerting control over another is not power. That's yeah, not that's power. Right, that's good. Um, yeah. You know, true power is walking in the truth of who we are yeah. and the truth of who others are. And, and that counts for gender too, like who we really are as women, who we really are as men. Yeah. Um, and if we're secure in that, there is no need and no feeling um, of having to have control over that other person or other gender. Um, you know, in, in contemplating Jesus being the son of God and, you know, I heard it all through my Christian walk, like he became a human, so that, you know, he could experience, you know, what it was like, and he could relate to us in every temptation and every emotion and everything that we go through as human beings. And I really started to contemplate that. I'm like, well, that's not really true. Yeah. You know, it's not really true. Um, <clears throat> and even beyond, you know, being a woman, he never experienced what it was like to be a senior citizen. I mean, right. think of that, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> um, growing older and, you know, having yeah. to walk with a cane or, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like these yeah. things that... Yeah. I really didn't experience so you know it's not that like I couldn't I couldn't reconcile that anymore and I said well you know if God is in me and Christ is in all and through all then God you know we say God is closer than your breath and, and we're one with God but what does that really mean like yeah. 
you know, I'm reading um, the book, The Universal Christ by Richard Rohr for the second time now. And one of my favorite lines in the book is when he says, God loves us by becoming us. Right. And I just could not stop thinking about that one line and how profound that is Mm. that, you know, maybe Jesus, you know, incarnate could not identify with me as a woman, but God certainly can. Right. The spirit of God who's been with me since before time, like all of us in, in all of creation, Mm -hmm. um, absolutely knows every breath that I take, every feeling I've ever had, um, everything I touch, God is touching, you know, everything I've experienced from birth up until now and everything I will experience and you will experience and every person in the world will experience God is experienced as us um and that kind of like just laid on me like a ton of bricks like wow that is such a revelation i don't i don't need the the man of jesus um to be able to know what pregnancy feels like and giving birth feels Mm -hmm. like you know god knows through me and you know through through birth of my two sons like god experienced that you know in my being um and that just like honestly that level of intimacy yeah. is something I don't even know if, if half of us have really wrapped our heads around, or if we really can wrap our heads around yeah. that, yeah. that is a whole different level of intimacy and love of yeah. God that, yeah. you know, we just can't even comprehend, you know, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way I like to say it to people is simply God knows what it's like to be you. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. He knows exactly what it's like to be you. Yeah. Uh, because he has fully embraced you as the place he wants to be. That's right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think people get bent in the life of Jesus and they try to make something formulaic out of mm-hmm. it. Um, it's true. Where, you know, and I, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, especially when it comes to like, my wife is as much the pastor of this church as I am and has a, such a great voice into everything that we're doing. It wasn't always that way. When we first began, I, you know, had that mentality of I've got to lead this and I've got to, you know, and come along whether you want to or not, because I'm the guy. Um, She, she she, uh, literally broke me of that completely (laughs) and the Holy Spirit too. Holy Spirit had some involvement in it, but it was mostly her. But to say that, wait, 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 it was a woman that was the first to announce the resurrection of Jesus yeah. to a room full of cowering dudes. Yeah. So let, let's just not, let's not even, yeah. I, I don't even argue about those things anymore. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, that's where you want to go. I don't even have a place to talk about that anymore yeah. because Jesus has absolutely brought this to a place where love mm-hmm. is the primary thing. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, when I simply do what love would do, when I think the way love would think, when I begin to embrace that love that's in me, I'm I'm going to express God. I'm going to bring him on the scene, right? as it were. Love became one of us to rescue all of us. Wow. It entered into our brokenness, our darkness, our mm-hmm. blindness, mm-hmm. and woke us up to the reality of love himself. Yeah. Uh, it's just such, it's such a different take than religion. Religion just doesn't even match it. It has nothing that yeah. could possibly even match it. Doesn't even come close. The question then for me is how, how are you in engaging with the church now? 
as far as structural local church. I'm yeah. always curious to know this. How how have, has that changed uh, your relationship with church? Well, I think the deconstruction definitely opened my eyes to a lot of the abuses in the church that previously were not, you know, kind of under the radar, but then yeah. became a lot more obvious to me, uh, and especially in, in the realm of, of women and, you know, the things that, they, that the limitations that were put on women uh, in, in, in a majority of the church. So, you know, I think it opened my eyes to a lot and put a fire in me to expose those things, not because I'm trying to um, condemn, but really because I'm trying to awaken, you know, that, that word awaken again, because I, I love the church and I want to see the church transformed into yeah. what it can be because love automatically leads to equality and love automatically leads to so many things organically that we're, you know, there's, yeah. there's like this hindrance, this dam that needs to be broken. So all of that mm. can flow through and that truth can get through. So, um, you know, for, for the church, I feel like that's, that's definitely something that my, my eyes were open that I wanted to expose and help heal and restore. Um, currently, I still go to church. I have the, the House of Praise for All People um, is a fantastic church. I don't feel like I'm limited in any way. I mean, there's such freedom there of expression. Um, you know, Robert Muncie's a, a great pastor and he, you know, he gives the stage to pretty much anyone that wants to come up and talk and teach. And <laughs> there's so much opportunity in that church. You can feel safe with yeah. coming with your questions yeah, as that's a big deal. profoundly difficult as they are. And you're not going to be cast out. You're not going to be rejected. You're not going to be shamed. Um, so I, you know, no church is perfect, but I really, I really feel that, uh, I found a community where I can safely go through this transition and still be held in, in love, even though there's, you know, there's things that I'm holding in tension, you know, spiritually. So, uh, I'm fortunate. I, you know, not everyone can say that, but you know, it's out there, you yeah, know, there are communities out there and churches out there that you know, we're doing this really well. That's good. So, and I'm grateful to have found it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love, I love hearing that. Yeah. As a pastor, that's it's true. important to me to yeah. know that, because I don't see Jesus in the throne room twiddling his thumbs like, oh my gosh, the church is so screwed up. <laughs> no. He, be he believes in this ultimate capital C church mm -hmm. that is being built and the gates of hell will not, re you know, prevail. will not prevail against mm -hmm. it. So um, I believe in that too. And that local assembly that I'm, you know, helping to serve these, this group of people. And that's what I want it to be. I want it to be expression of the, mm -hmm. the love yeah. of the father and, and a, a place of belonging. Yeah. Um, becoming is second, mm -hmm. secondary belonging is primary. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. That's good. That's good. We've kept this you, is we've a long one. You, that's all right. I, we is, could talk forever. <laughs> we could. We've had you so long though that we probably should talk Let's tacos. Talk tacos. Yep. Uh, that's in the title of this podcast. I love that. So, and I love tacos. In fact, I've never <laughs> met a taco I didn't like. <laughs> okay, but maybe you have you have a fondness and a spark of joy for a particular taco. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that's what we want to what, know. What, but what, what is the mother duck of, of tacos? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. And for everyone listening, you should grab a pen and paper and take notes because <laughs> I'm about to change your life right now. Okay. I want to hear This it. is how you make a taco. In fact, I think it's actually in the Bible somewhere. I can't give you chapter and <laughs> verse. <laughs> 
but I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, well, that discredits right off the bat. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. I got you. Okay, we got okay, it. Okay, so first things first, you have to warm up the taco shell because cold shells are for amateurs. All right, we could all agree on that. <laughs> Flour or corn. Flour or corn. All right, so it's going to be a corn shell. It's going to be a okay. corn shell. Okay. All right. I like where this is going. Then you have to put a layer of cheese on the bottom of that, and yeah, then you yeah, add the yeah. meat so that the hot meat kind of melts the cheese and it all kind of gets blended in yeah. there. This is where most people mess up, okay? <laughs> most people wait till the end of the taco to put on their toppings, but that is not what you should do. What you should do is cheese, meat, and then your toppings. Personally, I like tomatoes. I like avocado. Uh -huh. I like some sour cream. Yeah. And this is the most important part. The roof of your taco <laughs> is none other than sticky rice. You get sticky, Ooh, rice, sticky rice and you put it along the top and you cover the whole thing and you like pack it down wow. so it's all in there, like just all, pack in all the goodness <laughs> of the taco. And then if you really want to eat it like a boss, then you get the flour tortilla, of course, yeah. warmed up. Yeah, you wrap yeah. that baby in the flour tortilla and now the taco is going to go in your stomach where it belongs <laughs> as opposed to all over your plate. So that is the way to do a taco. Wow. She just the threw the sticky rice. Sticky rice. I've not heard angle. sticky rice. I, that, I'm going to try that. <laughs> I like that you refer to it as the roof of your taco. <laughs> the roof of your taco is the most important thing. You just, you know. I think that's a Northeast thing for sure. <laughs> that a taco has a roof. <laughs> roof of sticky rice. I love it. We do um, a quick round of questions like, what are you listening to right now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So this morning I was, li I was listening to Whitney Houston uh -huh. uh, and Alicia Keys. In, uh -huh. in a span of 20 minutes, I could go from Alanis Morissette to Jay-Z. Like it's, I'm, it, it is highly dependent on my mood. <laughs> <laughs> so I listen to a little bit of everything. I, you know, I listen to some Christian music, classical. For everybody um, under 30, uh, Alanis Morissette is a singer-songwriter. <laughs> like, my kids, I had to explain to them who Alanis Morissette the other I was like, you don't know who that... It's so sad. Well, I know, it's sad. What about TV, films? What are you watching? Um, I love the show This Is Us. Mark and I watched that. Um, it, it just, I think the character development and the storyline is brilliant. And I definitely measure my entertainment by how much it makes me feel. And that story, I mean, that TV show absolutely makes me cry, like, pretty much every time. Lots of tears. So we love This Is Us. I love the movie yep. Pursuit of Happiness. Um, hmm. Will Smith. So that's, you know, with Will Smith. Yep, that's one of my favorites. Great movie. I love that movie. Yeah. I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but uh, I do watch This Is Us. How about books? What What are you reading these days? Yeah. So I read a lot of books simultaneously. Um, they're mostly spiritual books. Some of them are business books. And that, again, also depends on my mood, which book I pick up, pick up in, in one day. Um, I'm still reading The Universal Christ by Richard Bohr. I'm reading um, The Dance of the Dissident Daughter by Sue Monk Kidd. I'm reading Thinking Grow Rich. I'm reading um, Votes for Women, The Battle for the 19th Amendment. Uh, and Mark Harris's book, Religious Refugees, I'm reading that as well. And it's, yeah. it's all wonderful. And The Divine Dance by Richard Bohr, too. Mm. That's good. I've heard, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. If we were to send people um, to find you, Catherine, um, I'm doing we talk about spiritual reconstruction community on Facebook or sure. uh, where would we find you? Yeah. Um, if, if you could look me up on Facebook, it's Catherine Lynn, you know, it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-L-Y-N-N. And uh, if you wanted to join the spiritual reconstruction community, you could just look up that in the group section of Facebook and, you know, request to get in. 
Um, it's a great community of people that are just trying to, you know, figure out what it is that they believe um, about God and themselves and the Bible. And we, we have some really great discussions in that group. So if you're deconstructing or reconstructing, and usually we're doing a lot of both, um, feel free to look up the group and join. Yeah, and that's a really safe place where you host very well, very graciously. Thank you. So I, I'm in that group. It's a good place. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been really awesome getting to know you, having you on yeah. the podcast. Honor, Catherine, thank honor you. that you came on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor to be here. Appreciate it. Hey guys, we're so glad that you are joining us for season two of Rethinking God with Tacos. Uh, you can find me, Derek Turner, at rivercharlotte.com. That's my church. And I'm on all the social medias yes. as Pastor Derek T. D-E-R-E-K, Pastor Derek T. Yeah, and uh, he's a Twitter savant. you got to follow him on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter uh, at Jason Clark is, uh, and you can find all of these podcasts, including season one, on all of the platforms. You can also go to afamilystory.org, and everything's there. If you sign up for our mailing list, we send out a weekly email that has uh, articles, podcast information, and uh, we also let you know about new books coming out or events that we're uh, connected to so yeah uh, like share retweet and uh and man if you could write a review it, it actually does something for the rankings it, it, it makes does it more yeah available, so but a five-star review of course <laughs> yes you know if you can't write a five-star review or something <laughs> like just don't even write don't, a review. don't worry don't worry about it yeah yeah it's kind of like if you can't say something nice don't say anything, don't say at, anything all. at all I, I like that and then apply that to this <laughs> podcast definitely that's my motto that's i like what it. i do i love it so love you guys appreciate you coming on the ride with us god bless